0: Welcome to episode 40 of the Get More Sports Podcast. My name is Doug McCain. Thanks for rocking with us once again. On today's episode, we're talking Kobe and Shaq. Kobe says that he'd have 12 rings if Shaq had his dedication. And then I'm going to settle the Kobe vs. Shaq debate once and for all. We're going to check in on the Dallas Cowboys. Give you the latest with the Ezekiel Elliott contract holdout. And then we're going to end the show with our week one picks of the college football season all that and much much more here on episode 40 of the get more sports podcast you can find me on twitter at dmac_l_a. underscore la that's at dmac_l_a. underscore la hit me up with all of your takes on all of today's topics but let's get into it Okay, the first thing I want to get into today is the Kobe Bryant interview with Patrick Bet David, the founder of Valuetainment. He said some things about Shaq that just broke the internet in half the other day. We're going to break it all down, but first I want you guys to check it out. Play the clip. Let's sure how you can answer this. Who would Shaq be if he had your work ethic? He'd be the greatest of all time. If Shaq had your work- He'd be the greatest of all greatest time. Greatest of all time by for Sure. He, he'd be the first to tell you that, for sure. I mean, this guy was a, a force, like, I have never seen. it was crazy. Now, for starters, you know that the national media ran with this. They ran with this story faster than Popeye's runs out of chicken sandwiches these days. And they didn't get what they wanted. The sirens were going off at the ESPN headquarters with the hopes that the Shaq versus Kobe feud had been reignited. But that wasn't the case. Kobe quickly shot down the entire story that there was a beep between the two. He said... There's no beef with Shaq. I know most media want to see it, but it ain't going to happen. Ain't nothing but love there, and we too old to beef anyway. Hashtag 3 P. And then Shaq responded, it's all good, bro. I saw the interview. I thought you were talking about Dwight. Is that how you spell his name? LOL. So sorry, national media. If you want some nice Kobe beef, you're going to have to go to a Japanese restaurant because that interview did not get it done for you. And Shaq and Kobe, they had a sit down last year where Shaq echoed all of the things Kobe was saying. Had he dieted more, had he taken care of his body more, had he had the same drive and determination as Kobe Bryant had that He would probably have a couple more rings. But to me, the takeaway from the interview is the flex by Kobe Bryant. Kobe Bryant said, hey, my work ethic, my drive and determination. I want to read you something from an article written after Kobe's 81-point game. Kobe talks about what he had to eat the night before his 81-point performance. He says, so we had a birthday party for my daughter Natalia at the house the day before the game where we had family and friends come over. It was a great day, face painting and all that stuff. That night, I had my therapist come over and work on my knee because my knee was in a lot of pain and i ordered two pepperoni pizzas and a, and i drank a complete 2 liter of grape soda so kobe bryant's acting like He's been spotless his entire career, but he says that was the moment. After that season, that's when he changed his diet. He's cut out all pizza, cut out fast food. Now, I get it. I understand what Kobe meant, saying, hey, if Shaq had the Mamba mentality, that he'd be the unquestioned greatest player of all time. I guess that's a compliment. But if I'm Shaquille O'Neal, I'm saying, hey, every time Kobe does this, People start to forget that I was the most dominant player ever. People start to forget that I'm a four-time champion, that I'm a player that did something that Kobe Bryant never did. I beat Kobe's idol, Michael Jordan, in the Eastern Conference Finals in 1995. I haven't heard very many people mention this. Kobe Bryant idolized Michael Jordan. That's well documented. But Shaquille O'Neal was the best player on the court in a series where they beat Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan averaged 31 in the series, but Shaq, over 25, dominated that series, and Shaquille O'Neal has nothing to be ashamed about. So there is some very clever revisionist history with Kobe Bryant as it pertains to Shaquille O'Neal, because if I'm Shaquille O'Neal, I'm saying, hey, even me being the diesel, having fun in the offseason... We would have probably still won seven or eight championships if you had just not fractured our relationship. Because even a Shaquille O'Neal that was getting 70, 80% of his talent is still good enough to win seven or eight rings. And Kobe, the other thing too, would you really have been happy? Would you have really been happy of sharing 12 rings with Shaquille O'Neal because something tells me that Kobe Bryant was never going to be happy until he got a ring as the guy on his team the three times they won championships together Shaquille O'Neal has three of those finals MVPs and if you're telling me that that they win championship four championship five championship six and Shaq is getting uh, finals MVPs four five and six that Kobe would have been okay with that I know Kobe well enough to know that's not the case Now, the funny thing to me was that Shaq took this as an opportunity to take a jab at Dwight Howard, and Dwight Howard responded. He said that, hey, this is completely irrelevant to me, and what I'm trying to do with the Los Angeles Lakers, check this out, play the clip. No, I really didn't see what Shaq said, and it's okay. I'm not here to talk about Shaq. What he said, what he did, it's irrelevant to what I'm trying to do, so talking me about what anybody about me my focus is on one thing now first of all Dwight Howard don't act like you didn't hear what Shaq had to say everyone knows what he said you heard the noise but at this point, Shaquille O'Neal is just bullying Dwight Howard. I understand it all started from when he wanted to be called Superman and Shaq he had the man of steel tatted on his shoulder. He's the original Superman, but Shaq is really kind of bullying Dwight Howard at this point. And even a couple days ago, he went at Dwight Howard. Check this out, play the clip. Shaq, uh, guys, how's on, man? Shaq, hey, 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 Sergio hey, hey Sergio. Yeah. Yep. Lakers just signed Dwight Howard. How do you all feel those? about that? Who? Dwight Howard. So Shaquille O'Neal, my man has so many different endorsements. Now he's doing Papa John's. He had the general. Maybe he should start endorsing an umbrella company because my man knows how to provide shade. He goes at Dwight Howard basically any chance he gets. And this is the latest example. And Kobe had his issues with Dwight Howard. You remember when he famously called him soft. So, Dwight Howard, only thing you can do is have success on the court. If you want to silence your haters, if you want the stamp of approval from Kobe, from Shaq, you got to do it this season with the Lakers. So, good luck to Dwight Howard. I'm very anti-bullying. And I feel like the diesel is really almost starting to go a little too far on Dwight Howard. Now, the question is, who would you rather have in your prime? Would you take Shaquille O'Neal or would you take Kobe Bryant? Stephen A. Smith this morning said he'd roll with Kobe Bryant. And I'm telling you, you go with Shaquille O'Neal. You go with the big diesel all day, every day, the most dominant basketball player in NBA history And to me, it's not even close. Shaquille O'Neal was the superior player in his prime. And you know what we do here on the Get More Sports podcast. We bring our facts to the fight, and we're going to play a little game right here. I'm going to read you some numbers. I'm not going to tell you whose they are. And you're going to tell me if you play NBA exec, you're the GM, and you tell me which player you'd roll with in this scenario. Okay, so this is their 10-year peak between both players. You're the exec at home. Option number one, you got 28.8 points per game, 12.2 rebounds, three assists, 2.6 blocks, 0.7 steals, 2.8 turnovers per 75 possessions, and a plus 5.7 real true shooting percentage. That's really good. And then a plus six and a half box plus minus. That's option number one. Option number two, you got 27.7 points per game, 5.8 rebounds, 5.2 assists, 0.6 blocks, 1.6 steals, 3.1 turnovers, and a 3.0 real true shooting percentage. Now, who are you taking, option one or option two? Option one, you can tell by the rebounds, it's clearly Shaquille O'Neal, And I know you're taking option number one. If you value your job as an NBA GM, you're taking number one in that situation. Now, those were nice numbers, but they get even better in the playoffs. So option one for the playoffs versus option two. Option number one, 28 points per game, 13.6 rebounds, 2.8 assists, 2.3 blocks, half a steal, 2.8 turnovers per 75 possessions, and a plus 4.8 real true shooting percentage and plus 6.9 blocks plus minus for a 10.4 net rating. You don't have to be an analytics guy to know those numbers are off the chart. So that's option one. Option number two, so you got twenty three point nine points, five point four rebounds, four point seven assists, one block, one point four steals, two point six turnovers per seventy five possessions, a plus one point three real true shooting percentage, a plus four point five box plus minus, and then a plus nine point one net rating. So those phenomenal numbers, but who you taking? You're taking option number one. You're taking Shaquille O'Neal, who was option number one. Now, if you want to have the conversation for how much did Shaq carry Kobe, that's a completely other debate because I think that Kobe was a major part of that run, and they couldn't have done it without him. But Shaq's peaks were just higher, especially in the NBA Finals. If you look at the 2000 NBA Finals, Shaq averaged eight eye-popping, 38 points per game, 16.7 rebounds, 2.7 blocks, 2.3 assists, and a steal. Only Michael Jordan and Rick Barry are other players that have averaged 38 points or more in his six-game series. So what Shaq did in 2000 was all-time great But Kobe definitely caught up. The very next year wasn't as valuable as Shaq was, but this whole notion that Kobe was not a major factor is an absolute myth. Kobe Bryant was a major factor in those championship runs. If you look at 2001, a team which I think is in the conversation with one of the best teams of all time, Kobe and Shaq, same amount of minutes. Their points, Kobe had one more point at 215, Shaq had 214, Kobe averaged 30.7 points in that run, and then Shaq averaged 30.6, but it was all about the diesel. So I'll take the diesel because just look at the words used to describe, to describe Shaq. You hear unstoppable, dominant, best play, most unstoppable player ever. Just look at some of these quotes. Here's a quote. By Rick Smix. The morning after you played Shaq, it always felt like you were in a fight. You were sore from head to toe. You could barely walk. Now, was he going against Shaq, or was he taking on Godzilla? Because that sounded like he was going against a monster and not Shaq Diesel. So, I love me some Kobe Bryant. I'm a self-proclaimed Black Mamba. Stand. Look at my claws. You'll see a lot of Kobe's in there. But, hey, Kobe, tell me how my facts taste because that's the reality. I'm going with Shaquille O'Neal versus Kobe Bryant in their prime. And with the NFL season just one week away, Ezekiel Elliott has not reported to camp for the Dallas Cowboys. Their contract holdout is still ongoing, and Jerry Jones gave an update yesterday on 105.3 The Fan in Dallas. Take a listen. You have to be prepared to uh, uh, play without any given player, uh, and um, uh, that's just a given. That's not unusual business in the NFL. And uh, we played without uh, players for suspension. we played without them for injury. Uh, it'll happen again this year. And uh, we may very well play without a player that uh, uh, is uh, not coming in on his contract. So if that's the case, we'll just play. And we'll play, and we'll play well. We've got, we've got a, a, a really, I think, talented young team put together. So it's clear that Jerry Jones understands that, yes, they found Pollock. Yes, they found a running back that's capable. They that can run behind that massive Cowboys offensive line. But he knows that he can't do the things that Ezekiel Elliott's capable of. He can't carry this Dallas Cowboys offense into the playoffs and potentially into the Super Bowl. And that's something they're going to need if they want to make it to the Super Bowl. No Zeke equals no Super Bowl for this Dallas Cowboys team. And I just hope the Cowboys learned from the Pittsburgh Steelers last year. The Pittsburgh Steelers, they opted to not pay Le'Veon Bell and they still had Antonio Brown. They still had Juju Smith peaking, getting coming into his own, and they got production from Connor. Connor, he had fourteen hundred and seventy yards from scrimmage, thirteen touchdowns, and thirteen games, but they missed the playoffs. They didn't go on a run. And while this window is still open, this Cowboy team needs to do it. They just have to find the middle ground. Ezekiel Elliott, this is my message to you. You need to understand that, yes, you're worth top money. Yes, you're worth best back in the league money but you've made some mistakes. Had you not had as many off-the-field incidents that you've had, then yes, you would have that leverage. You'd say, pay me like the best running back in the league, even though I'm still under contract, but you have to suffer for the mistakes you made. I said it months ago, TMZ, too much Zeke. There's been too much Zeke in the off-seasons, and at some point, it has to hit you in the pocket, and you have to pay for your mistakes but don't make the mistake and force a trade, Zeke Elliott. If you do that, you will suffer financially because being a Dallas Cowboy, playing behind this massive offensive line has helped you get to where you are today. You don't want them to have the control to trade you for top draft picks, and then you don't know what's going to happen with your career. So I think that ultimately both sides will find a middle ground. They'll get a deal done because if they don't, both teams are gonna, both parties are going to suffer. The Cowboys need Zeke, and Zeke needs the Cowboys. And we're going to end the show today with my college football picks for week one. Strike the band. Cue the fight song. The college football season has arrived. I watched Rudy last night. May or may not have shed a tear or two. But here are my picks for week one. UCLA travels to Cincinnati tonight. Four o'clock game. And a lot of people picking the Bearcats in this one. Two and a half point underdog are the Bruins heading in tonight. I think Chip Kelly. In year two, Dorian Thompson Robinson. Remember that name for the Bruins. I think this very young UCLA team goes in there and they get a win tonight in Cincinnati. Utah at BYU, a lot of hype around this Utah team. A lot of people have this Utah team winning the Pac-12 pretty much across the board. Everyone's got the Utes. I'm going BYU. BYU and Independent, they know they got to get these wins early. That's going to be a big one. I think that's my game of the weekend. That's going to be a big one. I got BYU. And next, we're heading up to Stanford where Northwestern, they take on the Cardinal. A lot of brains in this one. High IQ. I'm calling it the Mensa matchup. I'm going Northwestern. Yes, Stanford, they still have KJ Costello, but they have a lot of holes to fill on offense. Bryce Love has gone to the NFL, a lot of receivers, a lot of running backs they need to find, and then that defense for Northwestern, a lot of juniors, a lot of seniors, veteran-laden club for the Northwestern Wildcats. I'm going Northwestern in that one. Then you got Virginia Tech in Boston. College, I'm taking Virginia Tech in that one. Boston College, eight new defensive starters. Virginia Tech, a lot of experience. They weed out a lot of guys last year. I like Virginia Tech going on the road, getting that done. Then we got Florida State, Boise State, Willie Taggart, second year in Tallahassee. A lot of pressure on him. Florida State, they're always going to have the talent advantage over Boise State. They need that game badly. I got the Noles in that one. And for the game of the weekend, I got Auburn and Oregon. So Auburn and Oregon, they face off in Dallas. And this is not just a big game for the Oregon Ducks. This is a big game for the entire Pac-12 Conference No big time bowl games last year. Last year, Washington, they got smoked in a neutral side game against Auburn in Atlanta. And I got Oregon winning this game. Justin Herbert and the Oregon Ducks, a lot of talent on this team. And then Auburn, they got a freshman quarterback. So that doesn't mix well, especially with a game of this magnitude to open things up. So look for Oregon to get it done in Dallas. Virginia Pitt, I'm going with the Cavaliers. USC versus Fresno State. Fresno State and USC, they've had some great games. But SC last year, they go 5-7. and seven. Clay Helton, he needs this game in the worst way. If the, if the, if the at USC Trojans drop this game to Fresno State right out of the gates, those pitchforks are going to be out in force at the Coliseum. They need this game. JT Daniels, very talented. you got – Amon Ross, St. Brown, always tons of talent. SC's always dripping with playmakers. I like SC in that one. And then you got Notre Dame and Louisville. I'm taking Notre Dame. You know you're going to get some upsets, but college football is back. Enjoy your weekend on your couch. But that is going to do it for Episode 40 of the Get More Sports Podcast. My name is Doug McCain. Thanks for rocking with us once again. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. Definitely do that. Tell your friends about the show. Share, like, all that great stuff. But thanks again. Have a great rest of your week. And I'm out.